Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hello, pod friends. It's me, Dave Bledsoe, here to tell you about a brand new podcast dropping from Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. Talking about two things that I love a lot. Booze and Billy Joel. Can't believe I didn't think of this thing first. It's called Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, and on it, host Corey Cavan and Bill Granberg dissect the albums of Billy Joel and pair it with fine wines. It's that fine wines part that probably kept me from thinking of it, actually. I'm dropping episode one right here in the feed, so you can find it, listen to it, and then go subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Music, or Google Podcast, or just basically anywhere finer podcasts are sold. So, without further ado, Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, a Billy Joel and Wine Podcast from Seltzer Kings. Welcome to Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, the podcast that pairs the albums of Billy Joel with fine wine. From Cold Spring Harbor to the River of Dreams, grab a glass of your favorite vino and let's dive into the work of the Piano Man. Welcome to Bottle of White, Bottle of Red, the show where we listen to all of Billy Joel's music and pair it with a bottle of white wine and a bottle of red wine. I'm Corey Cavan. And I am Bill Grandberg. And uh, today we are listening to Billy Joel's first album, Cold Spring Harbor. It's very first from 1971. Very first album. Uh, And we're going to start it off by pairing it with our white wine. So before we get started, let's hear about our white wine. Uh, And here to tell us about it is Catherine from Celery Wines in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Corey and Bill. This is Catherine from Celery, a new boutique wine shop done in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So we have a bottle of red and a bottle of white for you today for your first episode, both Italian. The first one, the white, which is a Verdicchio di Castelli di Yessi coming from Andrea Felici in the region of Marche. So this is sort of southern part of central Italy. Um, This particular one is just full of minerality and kind of lemon zest, citrus notes, a little bit of uh, uh, herbaceous grass. Um, if you like Sauvignon Blanc, if you like Pinot Grigio, if you like Chardonnay, I think everybody can find something uh, that they that they appreciate in this verdicchio. Ciao, ciao. All right. All right. That's what we're drinking. Yeah. Um, I do know. I do know that she picked Italian wines. Yes. Um, I don't know if Billy Joel is Italian, but I will say this. I do think that if we're we're talking about Cold Spring Harbor, we're talking about Long Island. Mm-hmm. Italian wines and just Italian Mm -hmm. seems to fit because I, as someone who, as someone who did not grow up here, there is like, there, there is like a, like a Long Island Italian thing. Oh yeah. That's like a thing that you grow up like knowing about Long Island Italian. I I worked with a dude. Yeah. He was half Cuban, half Italian from Long Island Mm -hmm. and he just like fit the like, yeah, like a Long Island dude. He came in every day on the train. We worked together. He was a freaking great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to point out if, if we had a whole <laughs> quote for this podcast, <laughs> just to show that we don't know anything that we're talking about, At it all. should just be Corey Cavan. Corey I don't know if Billy Joel is Italian. <laughs> right off uh, the bat. Right off the just, bat. Uh, information. But yes, you're absolutely right. New York, Long Island, very strong personality. Uh, you know, strong we, island. Strong island. Uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as, as the MOOC. Yeah. What you is know, the mook? Mook. You know, oh. He's a mook. So that's like a thing I didn't know before yeah. I moved to New York. I yeah. didn't know what a mook was. I don't think it's a racial slur. I, I don't think it's a racial it slur. Is, but I, to me, a Pro- mook is probably. always like, 
Uh, yeah, he's a mook. This guy, he's a mook. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but that's a thing. That's a New York thing, yeah. too. I swear we're going to talk about Billy Joel in a second, but we kind of are because are, Billy, yeah. Billy Joel was, he was born actually in the Bronx. Yes. Um, but that is a thing. Like those are things you pick up from New York where it's like, I I could move. I moved to New York like a little bit after college. Mm-hmm. I'm like, never heard what a mook is. But yeah. if you ask someone from Long Island, you say, what's a mook? They just go, it's a mook. It's a mook. That's where I think yeah. Billy Joel's coming from. No, completely. So, and, and he really is that character. And yeah. it's like, you know, he's a Yankee fan, which totally makes sense. He, you know, talks about getting boozed up. Like everything yeah. about him is it tracks with people I knew growing up and it, it tracks with kind of the version of New York City that I knew probably doesn't exist anymore. But mm-hmm. at least it's it's the New York City that I kind of understand as its own entity. Yeah. So. So Italian is a big part of this. Yeah. And and we're drinking. Yeah. Tell us what our first wine well, is when we get into side one. We're we're starting with white. I, I do know enough about wine mm-hmm. in, in the sense that you should always start with the lighter wines and going towards the darker wines. Um, the absolute first lyric in the Billy Joel song that we, we take the title of this podcast from uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant. There you go. Italian. Italian. Uh, the first line is bottle of white bottle of bread. Yes. Perhaps some rosé instead is the next line, but we're just going to be focusing bottle of white. So mm-hmm. our bottle of white, um, as uh, as as Catherine explained to us, yes, um, mm-hmm. is a verdicchio. Uh huh. I don't know if I'm pronouncing right. A verdicchio, or either that or verdecchio, one of the two. Yeah, I don't know. Um, which is a nice Italian uh, wine. It's uh, similar to a vino verde. Oh, okay. Well, the, the, the verd is the green. Ah, the gotcha. Gotcha. That. I'm going to stop talking because I'm just no, making stuff up now. No, I like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a nice Italian wine. It's 2018. Um, it's going to be nice. I can't so wait. Let's, let's, uh, let's crack it open. Let's crack it open. Crack it on mic so people can hear that we're yeah. actually doing this. Yeah. And, and oh, <laughs> you should say this. It's, it's not a corked one. We, we were very excited. We're like, we got to Got to get the cork sound of the bottle opening. That's it. And of course, the first wine we do on the show is a, a screw top. It's a screw so. top. You know, anyway, here we go. Setting the tone. Here we go. Here we go. This is like a THX opening. Ready? Ooh. Ooh, hear that crisp screw yeah. top coming off. We also off. need, uh, we, we need the, one of my favorite sounds is the. Oh yeah. Get that in there. We'll see if we can. Right. Oh yeah, that's ah, fine. All right, so we're <clears throat> we are both now pouring our uh, our our glasses of white. Yeah. Uh, so cheers, cheers, and let's get into the first album, Billy Joel's mm-hmm. Cold Spring Harbor. All right. So, oh yeah, let's take a sip of the wine. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Mm. That's good. It it's, is. It does remind me of a, a vino verde because it's a little effervescent. It is a little effervescent. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, um, it's a little effervescent, but it's got a little bit of that, like, uh, <clears throat> um, it, again, this is going to show that I don't know much about wine, yeah. but like almost like how a Chardonnay mm-hmm. is kind of, it can be almost kind of oily. Like it's a little, it, like the, the body is a little heavier. It's, it's heavier yeah. than like a Vino Verde would be. Cause a Vino Verde is a pretty light wine. Yeah. Well, a lot of that, I mean, Chardonnay is 
oily, I think, because of the oak process okay. a lot of the time. I don't, I personally can't stand that flavor. I don't yeah. like oaked Yeah, th- th- I guess I'm talking, um, yeah, maybe I'm talking more. But I do more. think it's, it's. We have a little more. I mean, we can kind of look, do you know about legs? Do you know that concept? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just, it, it feels like it's a high alcohol. Um, if you spin the wine around the glass yeah. and you watch the, how slowly the drips go down, slower means you know, higher alcohol, mm-hmm. faster. I mean, actually this, this fits in very well with the, oh, the speed with of, our first of thing. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. We'll get to in a second, but <clears throat> yes, I, I, I think this is kind of a higher alcohol volume wine. Yeah. Um, yeah. 13% for a white 13% is a lot. Okay. Yeah. Cause Vina Verde has like seven and a half percent or something. You can just down one of those yourself. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the music. Get I have the- some other thoughts on the wine. Um, but so yeah yeah. so the first album the the first album of billy joel's compendium of his uh of his catalog yes it's called spring harbor not the first music that was released that he worked on that's true we'll get to that in a later episode but this is the first proper discography entry of uh william joel yes yeah william joel um so you were telling me this we have to go too Mm -hmm. far into it but when billy joel first of all this album came out November 1st, 1971. Yeah. I bet like if someone is listening, that's not a big Billy Joel fan. Um, they are probably going to be like, that's mm-hmm. a long time ago. I yeah. was even surprised. Yeah. 71. So, so for you and it like, just briefly tell me mm-hmm. as someone who has a lot of music knowledge, yeah. what was going on in 1971 in music? Like, I mean, well, funny you mentioned that, uh, what's going on. The album came out. In <laughs> there you go, Marvin Gaye. Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Um, I know you didn't do that on purpose, but it's a good oh, I kind of entryway. Uh, a lot of a lot of huge albums came out in 1971. David Bowie's Hunky Dory. Oh, nice. Um, oh, amazing album. Zeppelin Four. Jeez. Who's next? Rolling Stones. Sticky Fingers. Uh, the the album with the the zipper on the front for the original oh, pressing. Yeah, yeah, on the, yeah. On the vinyl. Mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell Blue. Jeez. Uh, Rod Stewart, Every Picture Tells a Story. Jeez. Um, Master of Reality, Black Sabbath. Um, Janis Joplin, Pearl. Wow. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone. There's a riot going on. So there's, a, there's a lot of yeah. classic music coming out. Mm-hmm. And no one knows who Billy Joel is right now. No. No one so, has any idea who Billy Joel is at this I, point. I don't know for our listeners or even for you, but when I think of Bill, Billy Joel, just because he was putting out music in my lifetime, mm-hmm. He was a part of my childhood that I, I think of him as a contemporary artist. So kind of wrapping my head around the fact that he was releasing his first album around the same time as, mm-hmm. you know, these, these classic, you know, Almond brothers at the Fillmore East. It, it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's when he kind of got his start. So if you think about what was going on at the time, it was a, a very different world for the album the album itself had probably only been popularized for about i don't know less than 10 years and you know the beatles had barely broken up you know and and it was it just seems kind of like an amazing because the beatles broke up at what like 69 70 was their last (laughs) album okay yeah so music's in like a totally different place Mm -hmm. where Beatles, like he's had, he's got a lot of influences coming into this album yeah. of a lot of different things. Yes. Also, the sixties are over, so we're about to go into like the weird decade of the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as we know with how decades work, 
just because you're in like a new yeah. line of decades, <laughs> yeah. things are still like the hippie yeah. thing is still carrying over right. into the early seventies. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't like January 1st, 1970. It was like everybody gets into well, disco and cocaine. It's, it's a disco cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Not it, that. It, there's a, there's a blurring. Yeah. So. All right. So we got that. So one thing you mentioned, mm-hmm. okay. So we're, this album is called cold spring Harbor. Yeah. Uh, it's named after, a town in Long Island mm-hmm. uh, called Cold Spring Harbor. Cold Spring, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that one thing about an album being packaged mm-hmm. is like, you know, you got physical packaging back yes. then. Um, you also have a cover photo. Yeah. So this cover photo, uh, it's it's Billy Joel mm-hmm. um, with k- kind of a mullet, but kind of not a mullet. Yeah. Kind of just like long hair. He looks like Inigo Montoya from... Uh, he does. He looks like Inigo Montoya He does. He Princess looks like Bride. a young Mandy, Matem- Mandy Potemkin with, with that he, mustache. And yeah, that's exactly what he resembles in this cover. Go look up that album. He looks 100% like Mandy Potemkin yeah. in, uh, in Princess Bride. So now let me ask you this. Yes. Because uh, this is going to kind of start our conversation about this album in earnest. Uh, right. You're looking on Spotify or... A playlist at the album cover or you just looked it up online uh i looked it up online i'm okay. actually lo- currently looking at the so wikipedia page when you're looking at that album cover are you seeing wh- where does it it kind of cut off are you seeing his hands in his pocket or are you I just see seeing the one top? hand barely going into a pocket okay well so there's a reissue cover and there's an irregular cover this is a very complicated legacy for a first album but okay. uh, i'm assuming the one you're looking at right now is kind of a close in shot it's just of uh billy slash it's, mandy um, yeah it's like it's like a bust yeah he looks like mandy Patinka. he looks yeah like it's from the Montoya. waist up and you don't yeah, see yeah. his hands okay yeah so there is an original album cover which is a little bit wider and then you can see that he's actually in front of a train and you can see his hands and uh kind of more of his full body and not only is this original album cover significant in that it looks different but uh-huh. it also is a different sounding album because drum roll please the uh mastering on this album was screwed up by his original label and uh it's pitched up the entirety of his first release was uh played at the wrong speed so okay we we know this and we've talked about it yeah. ourselves before but yeah the why did they pitch it up because it's like it's it's not like full on chipmunk but it's no, like a little bit. No, no, no. It's the same concept. It's basically so you know you record something at a certain speed, and then when you master it, you play it back. Right. Uh, obviously, if you change the speed, it's going to be mastered a little bit faster, and that's how you get the chipmunk voices because they're pitched up, as uh, as they say in the business. He, uh, the legend is that it was a complete mistake um, done by this you know little podunk long island label that he was on and mm-hmm. uh it got pitched up about i'm trying to think how much it got pitched up i think it was it was 10 percent. it was a very small amount do you have um, the recording do you have the picture recording yes so before uh, we get when we get into it we should we yeah we need to hear that well why don't compared. we why don't we start with the first song so we can kind of like talk about the uh pitched upness and, and actually take a listen okay cool all right so cool. um well, you know, keen ears will will notice the difference, but uh, this is uh, this is actually straight from the original vinyl um, that I ripped. So this is the original pitched up version, and track one, side one, she's got away. 
is pitched up. You, you can tell when his voice comes in. She's got a way I don't know what it is. Huh? It's de- it's definitely got like a little bit of like a lollipop guild vibe to it. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's it's the lollipop guild. So uh, I don't know. Play on your phone. Play the, uh, the, the I'll, yeah. reissue is, where they this fixed is the it. Reissue. Yeah. She's got a way yeah. about her. Much smoother. It sounds like a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know so uh imagine you're billy joel you know you you've been yep. struggling in the music industry you're 22 years old you finally have your debut album and uh the first time you hear it you realize that it was pitched up at the wrong speed um and according to the legend uh billy joel was listening to the acetate of the album and he got so angry that he (laughs) grabbed the record off the turntable and threw it down the street or he threw it on i don't know if he threw it down the street but he threw it from his hand because he was so pissed that they messed up his uh his 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 debut his art I mean, which which it's funny because at that point in his life, he was unknown. But that is like pulling he he's doing such a classic move of himself before anyone knows him. He was classic Joel before classic Joel was a thing. <laughs> That's right. He you know? does an angry, like angry young man, perfectionist, angry young man. Yes. But, you know, they're actually the, the, the story behind it um, is kind of very acrimonious. He was signed to this. Uh, label they were called family and uh it was it's probably the most like long island new york like showbiz thing the guy who ran the label his name was Artie arthur Artie rip uh, oh yeah Artie rip Artie rip hey mr william i i got i got your label yeah we we know how to master stuff Artie rip hey i'm Artie rip let's let's go rip a record for you kid <laughs> Rip it and then rip it right onto that turntable, kid. So this is the classic story of, uh, yeah, the the disastrous first record contract. And in fact, uh, he, Billy Joel, even though he signed to Columbia after this, he still had to give royalties and money to uh, family records. And Artie Rips got money from pretty much most of his catalog up until I think the the bridge was uh, so. When he was uh, finally free, so like a real, a real like Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, Taylor Swift, Scooter Braun situation. Sure, that like Except, we talked uh, about. You know, instead instead of Billy Joel like winning over the court of public opinion on the internet, he throws the record in anger, and instead hey. of Scooter Braun uh, making money, he uh, he just speeds up the, the track. <laughs> hey, I mean, whatever, whatever works, you know. Yeah. All right. Actually, you know what? If 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 one day we got a Cold Spring Harbor uh, Billy's version, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't complain either. I, I would yeah. love it if he did that. I think that'd be amazing. Um, so right. I mean, let's keep this in mind. Uh, we, we have both versions. We can kind of compare and contrast as we go through. But the let's just talk about the music. Uh, yeah. That 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 first song. You know, like the first sip of a fine white wine. Mm. Uh, it is beautiful. She's got a ways. Is, is you know, despite being on this like weird pitched up kind of forgotten first album, I think most people actually would know this song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would say most people know this song. I, I knew it from not 
for not being a big Joel head, a Joel hole as they call. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I immediately knew this song. I was like, Oh, I've heard this. And it was crazy to me that it came out of this year and it was such an early song of his. It's, yeah. it's nuts to that, that that is like, yeah. Imagine all hit. those bands that were hearing, you know, the first John Lennon solo album. And then, you know, you got, she's got away coming out around the same time. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing that they kind of sync up in time yeah. that way. I mean, it's a good song. It's, uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's a piano ballad that mm-hmm. pretty much opens his career, which is an interesting thing. Cause like he, I, I don't know if you, I mean, if you look at all of his songs from like what mm-hmm. I know about him, I don't think that necessarily encompasses totally what he is. But I think if you talked about, if you talk to most people, piano ballad would come up with Billy Joel. Also, we didn't yeah. start the fire. That's another one that will come up with him. Just that, just those two. Just those two. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Um, um, no, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think these piano, like one thing you will say about Billy Joel is he was an incredibly good writer of sincere music. Yeah. Which is interesting because he's a very kind of acerbic, you know, angry New Yorker on a lot of yeah. his music. And, you know, he had a lot of bones to pick. But when it came to the ballads, he was incredibly, you know, honest and and very kind of saccharine. And and this is a first example of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, I I will say for my money, starting off the Joel catalog with this song, mm-hmm. great. great. Great song. It's good. Um, all right, let's go to the second song. Yeah. Um, second song is You Can Make Me Free. Yeah, let's hear a sample. Uh, here we go. Let's see. Oh, yeah. You can make me free. Oh, speeds up a little bit. Yeah. You can make me smile. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead to where yeah. we are later. And then, yeah. and so it starts off uh, kind of like a natural progression from She's sure. Got Away, but then we get into... I mean, it picks up to this point by the end of the song. All right, now let me ask you a question. You're playing this off uh, off one of our country's fine streaming services. I am off of well, actually, not even our country. Spotify. Oh, is not so it's Spotify. In America. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not. It's, yeah, it's not um, the Apple one. Now let me ask you this: What is the track time for uh, your version of "You Can Make Me Free"? Because I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, the track version. The track time is two fifty six. All right, so. This is the other major difference. So besides the the album being mastered at the wrong speed, when it was finally, quote unquote, corrected, it mm-hmm. was not by Billy Joel. It was by his label. Um, Wait, family really, Records? Not Family Records. This was okay. when it, he they finally did a, uh, quote unquote, like fix of this album. Um, okay. This is in 1983. So um, I guess someone named Larry Elliott did it and it was kind of re-released and this is the version that is on all the streaming sites. Billy Joel had nothing to do with this remix either. And besides fixing the pitch, there's a couple of edits. And if you want to take a guess at the track length of the You Can Make Me Free uh on the original vinyl, take take a guess what it is. Um yours is like what? Two my mine's two fifty? Two fifty six, I think is okay. what I said. Yeah. Guess how um, long the uh, the version I have is. Um, 
for I was about to say 480. That's not how time works. Um, <laughs> so that would be 520. Uh, I'm going to say like uh, 445. It's yeah, it's it's longer. It's 549. What it is the longest so track it's a on the six album? Minute song? And you know why? It's is you just played, you know, the, there's a little bit of a guitar solo in here. Yeah, it, it starts it, to feel like a wing song or something like that. In the original version, it goes full on prog. It, it it just basically goes into a suite. Let me let me play you a little bit. This is from Dude. This is from uh let me look. Sorry, I'm just pulling it up. No, no, it's fine. Uh let's go. Three minutes and forty-four seconds in, so we're okay. already past the point of the uh, remixed version. So take take a listen to what's going on here. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that's a completely different. I mean, okay, that's we're t- we're, th- we're in like full on guitar. You you said like wings. It does. It almost sounds like a Hey Jude kind of like. Yeah. guitar solo breakdown it's crazy and it's on yeah. his first album so we're talking like a complete lost like direction that no one really knew about uh, anyone going back and like listening to the original billy joel album they're not going to know that like it took this weird proggy like Which, turn on its second track can you in 10 seconds, can you yeah. explain for our listeners what, mm-hmm. what prog is, what prog rock is? Sure. So prog rock stands for progressive rock. And it was basically after all the kind of like album oriented music from like the late 60s and the 70s, it was bands that kind of started incorporating jazz, classical music, and these longer kind of suites that were very specifically designed for the album format. So was like 10, uh, 10 seconds. That was close. So like, okay. uh, and then we'll get back to the album, but like uh, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, is that a prog song? I would say Bohemian Rhapsody is, is a prog song, 100%. I would say I it's like a sweet, like you said. I would say Queen is not necessarily a prog band. Sure. They have prog elements, um, but that is a prog song. Um, if you want to kind of go to the prog bands, you, you think of bands like Yes or yes. Uh, Genesis in their early incarnation was prog. Um, okay. Emerson, Lake and Palmer. King Crimson bands that like weren't afraid to do like longer, weirder stuff. And I think ninth, early 1970s was kind of the heyday of prog rock. Okay. So yeah, basically Billy Joel is like, he's dipping into that, which you probably wouldn't yeah. think of him like that. Now, you know, the crazy ironic thing is he, he really mm-hmm. can't win. He can't win because when they, they finally released the full thing. They mm-hmm. cut out a bunch of this song. But when yeah. the song was originally released, it's still not as long as it should have been because it was sped up. So yeah. he never got the full time of this song in. He got right. the he got the but on the already rip version, it's the full time. It's just faster. It's just a little bit faster. So, so he like, never got right. so there, he, there's no No one ever really heard the real version of this song. That's true. I mean, I'm sure you could I'm sure you could fix the pitch. You could yeah. you could, you know, use editing software and actually fix it but like you're right no one is no one has probably heard the master at the correct speed yeah of the longer version of this song so dude that's a justice quest. for joel justice for Just, joel. justice for joel okay cool that's, let's uh, move on at first i thought that was like a weird like metallica uh mashup and, and justice, justice for, for joel and justice for joel <laughs> <laughs> I, I would do I that 100 i, I would, would listen for to that. 
to Billy's version of this, and I would also list it and Justice for Joel. That's like when when Metallica did those uh, big symphony shows. Did you oh, yeah. go to one of those when you were a kid? I did. I went to the original New York one for the uh, the record release. If they would do that, but, but instead, if they would do that, but instead of the mm. symphony, it's just Billy Joel on the piano with Metallica and Justice for Joel. Totally I, into that. I would love that. All right. I would next love song. That. Next song yeah. moving through. Everybody loves you now. Now this song, mm-hmm. the, the way it starts out, it reminds me a little bit of what I start to remember mm-hmm. when I think of Billy Joel. This feels pretty Joel to me. Here's the beginning of it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just fast fingers. So, you know, you start out with you start out with uh, they're fast kinda, fingers, but are they this fast? <laughs> what? Like, how are you listening to that and not going like, uh, oh, the speed's wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> Cocaine was really a thing in the 70s. He's playing so fast. Yeah. <laughs> he must have been on cocaine and I'm on Quaaludes, so <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. That was, yeah, That it sounds insane mm. in the fast version. Yeah. Um, insane but you're right that, that it does sound way more billy joel that's a riff that you could play for anyone and like that name this tune they'd be like I, it sounds like billy joel yeah yeah absolutely also i think it's worth noting this song the i mean we've talked about lyrics mm-hmm. you and i before and you're not as much of a lyrics guy but the story no. of this song the story of this song is like him kind of sarcastically calling someone out and uh, I think it's that's what it is. It's like him talking about how he's he's like between me and you and the Staten mm-hmm. Island Ferry. Like he's talking yeah. about someone who thinks that everything is all about them. And he's kind of sarcastically saying everybody loves you now. Am yeah. I right in that? Like, it's just it's very like you see you kind of get like the snotty Billy Joel yeah. calling people out things. And I feel like this is a very early version. of It's that. like a piss off song. It's like a, yeah. a, a- piss off. Piss off, mate. Uh, yeah, and and I think it's very much kind of his his lane, so to speak. Yeah, totally. Um, it also was the B side to uh, the "She's Got Away" single. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, huh? So that was interesting. Mm. Um, you know, there's a uh, there is. Oh, we have to talk about this sometime. Maybe we should do a whole episode on it. There's a very early thing that he did where he recorded a live uh, with, I think it's songs from his first album from this album. And he recorded Are you talking about songs in the attic. I don't know if it's songs in the attic. There's, there's an early song in the li- attic. It, it was, it was a live album of early stuff that he like put out later. Is that the one that's a live recording yes. uh, of him playing? And he keeps talking about drinking Jack Daniels all the time. <laughs> No, that I think maybe there, there's there, a lot of I, pretty much any recording he's going to talk about drinking Jack Daniels. I, I think. mean, that's 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 pretty true. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into some of the live stuff because I think it's important to kind of talk about his uh, onstage banter. But uh, uh, absolutely. Yes. yes, absolutely. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, OK, yeah. So, the, yeah, this was the uh, that was the we said that was the B-side single. Um, mm-hmm. And. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, um, as you just mentioned, songs in the attic. Uh, when all music did the review for it, they said mm-hmm. that the uh, the live version on songs in the attic 
hit way harder than the studio yeah. version of this. So yeah. th- it's kind of interesting though, because that just means that his early, his early, his early songwriting stands, mm-hmm. stands up and kind of right. lasts. It's just, well, uh, you know, as we'll also kind of notice there's, there's a tremendous shift after his like third or fourth album, right before the stranger where he changed producers and he started using his touring band as his studio band. And I think that it, it, it very much changed the dynamic of not only new songs, but the songs that he would then play live from these older albums. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah. And actually, uh, in a Rolling Stone, uh, yeah. Um, going back to what we were talking about, about, uh, this song, uh, Rolling Stone critic said, everybody loves you now as a precursor to the sarcasm Billy Joel would incorporate in his songs later throughout his career. So it's like this whole, a lot of this album, as you see with like a lot of people's first albums, mm-hmm. it's laying the blueprint for Joel. It's blueprint Joel. Blueprint Joel. That's it's another mashup. It's Jay- Jay-Z's The Blueprint Joel. <laughs> it's a hard knock. Everybody loves you. Now. That, that wasn't even the right tune. Um, it's, it's all you need. Um, J to the oh, well. Sorry. What, the, what they do is they just, uh, they just take the blueprint and speed it mm-hmm. up by 75% and just play yeah. it. That's, that's how you mash them up. Um, all right. Sounds how many like more a song? Kanye sample anyway. Yeah, exactly. It, the whole yeah. thing is chipmunk soul. Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. What, uh, how, let's see, how many more songs do we have? We got, on we got two a? more songs. I, I think we want to have like about a glass left of this white. So we, I yeah. think we can, we're moving through this white. I think, I think we can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The next one, um, mm-hmm. we're definitely hitting the middle of the album. The next one is yeah. why Judy, why here's who yeah. we start off with. Of all the people in the world that I know, you're the best. So, major, yeah. major ballad vibes. Feels very Beatles to me. And it goes yeah. to this. It's so hard to make it through the day. Almost like, you, you, know, you know Beatles way better than I do, but yeah. I almost feel like White Album Beeble, Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. It's, it's very, it just, it feels... Not, I'm trying to think of like a good Beatles song. I mean, kind of yesterday. Uh, you know what it is? Uh, what is the song? Shh. At first, I want to say it. It's not. Yeah, it's not yesterday. It's not Blackbird. No, it's it's uh, it's it's on. It's the one. It's for no one. Oh, no, I'm okay. not saying it's for no one. It's the song for no one. It's uh, hold right. on. Yeah, we're gonna pull that up. Yeah, I mean, it's like it would make sense that. A lot of this stuff. No, here, what is that? Right uh, sorry, it's on Revolver. That's it. This one? Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Right. So play that. Play that intro, and then play the intro of uh, of Judy. Okay. Your day breaks. Your mind aches. You find that all Okay. So you hear this? Yeah. God, what a sad song. It's it's such a sad song. Yeah, okay. I get a lump in my throat. Um, all right, so then you hear this? Yeah. Of all the people in the world that I know, you're the best. Yeah, it's, it's got it's it's, it's got totally, a similar totally the same. It's it's yeah. it's roughly around the same key. It definitely it's the has exact the same. same song. <laughs> 
Why, Billy? Why? <laughs> no, it does. It, it it's not as similar as I first thought, but I don't know why that was the one that. But it it does feel like that kind of Beatles esque kind of chamber yeah. poppy type yep. song. So totally. I mean, it makes perfect sense that he'd be writing songs in that mode at this point in his career. Yeah, totally. But I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Uh, not as good as the Beatles. <laughs> hey, listen. I'll follow you out on that limb because I think it's a strong one. Great. That limb can hold us both. <laughs> Let's um, go. Let's build a swing set. <laughs> <laughs> we got a tire swing. Um, apparently, apparently, uh, why Judy Why was featured on the TV show This Is Us. Oh my gosh! So there you go. Look at that, Billy Joel just like raking in as That's much money great. as he can all throughout his life. Come on. That's pretty interesting. Now that here's is. the thing. I, I I'm curious. Because I know that This Is Us is, uh, it takes place at different times. Yeah. So oh. I'm wondering, is it, uh, is it because of that? It just seems like an interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe Artie Rip's grandson is a writer on that show, and he just wanted <laughs> to get get his family a little more royalty um, money. <laughs> uh, one other question: Is there a way that we could play the episode back at one point two five speed? <laughs> <laughs> I you know, know it makes Mandy Wall run around very, very fast, but uh, every pitch he has in the writer's room is just, hey, you think the characters could speak a little faster? <laughs> what do you mean, like a pacing, like 30 Rock? Just faster, whatever. Hey, whatever. A little faster, like 10% faster. Hey, a little faster. Let's go faster. <laughs> um, so it is actually, mm -hmm. uh, it, it does say, uh, I mean, the name of the episode is Deja Vu, the This mm -hmm. Is Us one. And, um, he yeah he's replicating a moment from when they first met and so mm. i think it's the song they played so yeah it's a flashback moment cool. makes sense that Joel... they're both in a supermarket and that song was playing and they look at each other and go like does this sound fast to you <laughs> anyway i'm gonna die in a fire <laughs> what so sorry did i ruin this is us for you sorry uh hey babe they got a sale on crock pots uh... <laughs> okay all right all right uh, uh almost done with the white getting ready for the red um yeah. thank you again uh thank you to our sponsor celery wines thank you for yes. the wines. Uh, Delicious. okay uh the last song the mm -hmm. last song um on side a is yeah. called uh falling of the rain so okay let's, let's take a listen. look let's listen to the beginning of it Once upon a time in the land of misty satin dreams. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> that was some of the cheesiest shit I've ever heard. In the land of misty satin dreams. Once upon a time when the land of misty. That was ridiculous. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? You know how, like, you listen to. Like Led Zeppelin, and and mm -hmm. it just is like such like hard classic rock, and then yeah. it's just like they're and like the lyrics the are fires like fires of Mordor <laughs> and Gollum yes. himself came out of the cave. The uh, dumbest, like yeah. they're just singing J.R.R. Tolkien books. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's funny is this song. The intro sounds almost like root beer rag which we'll get to in a future oh episode oh my goodness that song it sounds like that same intro but that once he gets to the lyrics he just freaks out and starts reading J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> <laughs> once, once upon, upon a time, time. 
Oh, it, it does also kind of remind me of like um, in the mines of Moria. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a land where the orcs they all dug into the ground. Um, Across the brandy wine with Tom Bombadil and. Uh, it does That's, remind me of the beginning of like a John Hughes movie or something where mm-hmm. it's like people in Chicago suburbs, like putting their stuff into a cab. <laughs> like, I, I like that. I don't think that's in a specific John Hughes movie, but that feels like every John Hughes movie. Yeah, Actually, it just, no, it's, I feel like that's in Home Alone because they, yeah. they, they go to the airport in a cab. Yeah, it feels like this thing of like, we're going on a journey. Come on, mom. And then they're like, Kevin, they leave him at home. Leave him at home. All right. All well, right. Well, that's, that's, well, let's just let's just use the example. I mean, we just like <laughs> it might be the fact that we just finished the battle of wine, but the, that song uh, just making fun of it. But I, I, <laughs> I will say this: look, no album's perfect. Every album has filler. A first album is gonna like really stretch. And I think what we'll discuss when we come back is when we get back to the first song of side B. I think we're we got a little more momentum again, but I, I can definitely say that uh, "Falling of the Rain" is. Uh, I don't think it's a banger. Mm. Interested for the non-banger. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a break. We'll talk about okay. some more wine, and um, we'll come back with side B. Catherine. The red is a 2011 Gemmay that's spelled G-H-E-M-M-E, and that's the name of this tiny little area up in northern Italy in the region of Piemonte, the high Piemonte hills of Alta Piemonte, close to the uh, the Swiss Italian Alps in the foothills there. And this is mostly composed of the Nebbiolo grape. Locally, they call it Spana. Um with a little bit of two other local grapes blended in, Vespolina and Uvarara, which means rare grape. Very original name. <laughs> um, so this is a current vintage, 2011, but it's it's really beautiful. This is coming from very sand and mineral-rich soils. You get a lot of dark red cherry, some iron, some leather. It's, it's silky, it's long, it's just gorgeous and perfect for a cold winter's eve. So that's all. All right, well, pour it. Okay. Oh, yeah. This this is what we've been waiting for. This is the entire point. Oh! oh. Here we go. You can see it's it's light. Yeah, this is a very good wine. Uh, I like this. I like this wine a lot. It's, like, refreshing. Yeah, this is really good. So let's talk about side B. Okay, side B starts with turnaround. Um, and, okay, I'm just going to play it. Oh, sweet lady, running like a stream. Okay, it goes from there, and then, uh, you know, it, it keeps going. So turn around, oh, turn around. It's mostly like that. So it, it's just, it's, <laughs> there's not a ton of energy going on here. Um, what do you think? I think one of the, the benefits of vinyl and having those two sides is that you know, your single material is going to be on the first track of either side, you know, any album, especially one that's, that's 10 tracks long. You want those first tracks on each side to be a banger. Mm-hmm. And this is not a banger. Mm-hmm. She's got away banger. Uh, she's got away total banger, you know? And I he, mean, I, like I said, it's the, it's the one track that I know even like, you know, you hear that and then you can make me free. You're like, great. That momentum. That's what I, that's what I love about albums where like the momentum is there where the first track is like, Oh fuck, this is great. And then the second track, it just keeps you going to the point where like 
you can sustain through some weird experimental stuff towards the end, but it, it, it's all there. But this is what I think the album thing that you are such a proponent of mm-hmm. that I've realized is important for music. Um, it is true is that like, if you think of this thing, it's almost like if you think of an album as a movie mm-hmm. and like movies, have yeah. acts. yeah, you know? And so like you think of this as a way where it carries you through. And so like, an album, you flip the album over. Mm-hmm. You and I also grew up in the time of tapes. Yeah. And I remember like, um, like we were talking about Nirvana. Yeah. Never mind. I think the end of side one, mm-hmm. I think the last song is something in the way. Yeah. Which is their like weird, yeah. slow song. Like dark, dirgy. Yeah. And yeah. then you flip it over and I don't know the first song. It might be like, I think the first song kind of comes out of the gate and it seems like here, this first song you flip over the album. Yeah. And it's just like, you kind of get in with this like weird slow, like this kind of, yeah, I mean, it's like, it seems like he could just like, you've kind of been washed over to wake somebody up a little bit. Yeah. You've been washed over with like piano ballad stuff. And at this point you're not getting anything new and it's really, it's detrimental to the album. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, this is his first foray out and and it's hard. It's hard to build a full album worth of material. Totally. Yeah. 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 He's like a young musician dealing with the Rip Meister already rip. Uh, All right. So moving on. You look so good to me. You look so good to me. Yeah. So already got that Fender Rhodes. I mean, to me, this is like 80s sitcom. This is this is one hundred percent eighty sitcom. Yeah, I mean this is like Alan Alda as the uncle. Yeah, or like those parts where like someone's like trying to fix something and they can't get it, and yeah, they like stop and then smile at the camera. It's like the guy with the tool belt on like looks up and he's like, hmm. Mr. Belvedere guest starring this week. Totally. But, but but kinda, we're we're listening to the 1983 version, my friend. What? Let's see. Let's see what it's original. It's gonna sound like death metal. Yeah, let's hear this. Is this faster? This, this sounds similar. Oh, that's faster. Yeah. So here's my thing. We're talking about we're talking about like influences. To me, this sounds like Partridge Family. Yeah. This sounds like Donovan a little bit. Yeah. This kind of has this is another like stab at a genre thing that he's yeah. trying to do. Here. I mean, I think at this point I mean, it's, it's his first album. Yeah, you know, but he's working in the music business. He wants a hit. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants he wants that thing. And I think he doesn't really have an identity. And I think what's interesting about his later career when he does have an identity is that it's very much speaking towards there's no water in there. <laughs> I, to I just want to point out Corey just like poured water in his thermos and then offered me the bottle. Like, like he was very concerned. He held it out I like, concerned. uh, you, do you want water? There's no water. There's literally the there's, there's literally like a half ounce of water in the bottle. <laughs> not even. I was like, Bill, you should take some water. There's not any. Yeah, it's it's okay. Um <laughs> So we're talking about Joel wanting he, a hit. He wants a hit. He's he, a businessman. 
He's a business. Well, I don't even think he's a businessman. I think he's just cynically kind of searching for what the industry he's wants from him. Trying to be a success. And I too. think, you know, when we get to it later, but if, if you listen to like the lyrics of Piano Man, which is obviously overplayed and kind of overthought, but like that's him. He He is that mentality of I'm more talented than this shit. Right. I know my way around songs, but all I got to do is, is, breakthrough and have this moment and you can feel him searching for it on this album that's interesting because i feel like the billy joel the billy joel that i like grew up with was mm-hmm. billy joel that grew up with is like 80s or 90s billy joel yeah which was like the 90s has such a weird version of cool. oh yeah like the 90s version of cool before nirvana yeah before like that stuff is um is space jam is people wearing like unironically wearing like big Nikes and like mid calf yeah. white socks. And then also guys wearing boxy blazers playing piano, which was Billy Joel back then. Sure. And he was really cool then, but I feel like, but I, but then you end up like looking into later Joel Yeah, and later Joel, you're right. Is he knows how talented he mm-hmm. is. He knows he's a star and he's got this kind of like, He's he's like hungry and he's yeah. like angry at the same time. Well, I mean, he's to quote himself, he's the angry young man. I think he's interesting. You know, think about the age. You said what? He's twenty two when he makes this album. Yeah. Think about you when yeah. you were twenty two, and 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 I think about myself. Oh, you're just like no one can tell you you're wrong. You you know you you're you know better than everyone mm. else. Yeah. You're yeah, not yeah. trying to like make do. Like he's out there like trying stuff to get successful. But deep down, he he's just, you know, he's pissed. But what's interesting, too, though, if you look at if you look at someone who becomes such a like major star Mm -hmm. at 22, uh, he's really freaking talented. Oh, I mean, that's like a statement of, of yeah. forever. But like you look yeah. at this album, like there's a lot of things about but it's very listenable. Yeah. 22 in 1971 to put this album out. Like he's 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 really talented. And mm-hmm. I, can, I can imagine like banging his head against the wall, wanting to get to like his his later, greater stuff while yeah. also trying to like have market success. Sure. And then having to deal with Artie Zip. Uh, Artie Rip. Artie, so why do I keep saying Zip? Because Artie, Artie Rip zipped it up. Yeah. That's why. You know what I think? There's a Simpsons character called Artie Ziff. Oh, that's why. Yeah. And maybe I keep getting confused. But Artie Rip. Yeah, I mean, like, like I don't know. It, yeah. It feels like this. And, and, and you know, moving on to this next song, which the subject matter wise. So excited about I, this. I, I, I wouldn't be excited. But, I don't know if it's, right. it's the right words to use. Just to kind of underline the fact that Billy Joel was kind of a tortured artist. Yeah. As much as you can say that, you know, a, a white dude in the seventies can be a tortured artist, which is, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think he was, I, I think that, yeah, I think he was, I think he was trying to, yeah. you know, it's clear that like, he's trying to do his best to put stuff out. He goes to this, this local family mm-hmm. family, isn't it? Yeah. But he goes to this like local small label to put his stuff out. Yeah. He's right by New York city. Mm-hmm. He like has stars in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And he's very talented. Yeah. Um, but he there is a story behind the next song, which yeah. is Tomorrow is Today. Yes. So what is the story behind Tomorrow is Today? Well, so Tomorrow is Today, um, legend has it, and, and you know, it's corroborated by the internet mm-hmm. sluice that be, but this is this is a song that uh 
partially the lyrics are brought are, are taken from a suicide note that's that crazy that and, and it, it goes deeper I, he, apparently he drank furniture polish well, i can't speak sorry <laughs> furniture polish. edit that out um <laughs> apparently he drank furniture polish and that was his method of uh Good of going Lord. out um that's terrible yeah i mean this this is you know 22 you get your whole life to live for he tried to kill himself and tomorrow is today. I mean, a lot of the lyrical concerns with this is this idea of like, where is it? Like, you know, one of the lyrics, I don't care to know the hour cause it's passing and cause it's passing anyway. I don't have to see tomorrow because I saw it yesterday. Wow. I mean, that's very like, very dark. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, he had some demons and he exercised them and it's in the song. Yeah. No, it's really, I mean, like you mentioned this and we'll talk mm-hmm. about this in another episode, but like pre this album, mm-hmm. this was not just Billy Joel being really good at piano and writing some songs. Yeah. He had other musical endeavors before this. Oh yeah. Like he was in other bands mm-hmm. and so he's like already, this isn't just like his like, I signed up for acting classes. I did my first play. Yeah. He's, he's been like pounding the pavement for a little while. Sure. And, and, you know, as an artist that he Mm -hmm. is, he's got like some stuff to work out. He's got some demons. Yeah. So, uh, I will say Mm -hmm. lyrics. I mean, I don't care to know the hour because it's passing away. I don't have to see tomorrow because I saw it yesterday. Yeah. And, that's, and then so I listen for an answer, but the feeling seems to stay. And what's the use of always dreaming if it's tomorrow's today? I mean, like really serious lyrics. But I will say my favorite part of the song is he shifts his mm-hmm. voice yeah. at some point. Um, and it it's... Oh man, it, it's, it's weird because like, you know, mm-hmm. the serious subject matter and it's weird when someone takes, it's weird when someone takes very serious subject matter like mm-hmm. this yeah, and then converts it into mm-hmm. something artistic yeah. that, you know, they had to work yeah. at right? because like you can take something as, as dark as the subject matter for this, which could be an impulsive decision. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to do this, but then they take it all. And they craft it, yeah, and then they rewrite it, and they yeah. put it in the studio. And then well, there's he- also a sense, and and this is kind of, not, it's not making light of it, but it, it's at least seeing the hopefulness. And, and you know, if if anyone's dealing with something, you know, know that there's always like another way to look at everything. Right. But you know, this dark moment where he's writing this note. Um, at a later point, he could he could be like, "Well, I got to write a song," and he goes back. Like, you know what? That was pretty good. And that, that shit I wrote. I think this works, you know, and, and just to think yeah, that yeah. like inspiration still exists, even at these dark times. It's well, kind of interesting. And that brings me to this part where he, he says, it's today. And you heard a second ago, but he goes right here and he switches into, Oh my so first of all that's like that, that sounds like elton john 
It does. Well, I thought meatloaf at first, too. Yeah. But yeah, totally. But yes, it's, it's also like, like you know, as much as this is like, yeah, this is a suicide thing. It's like it's as if you have a suicide note. I don't know. The, the entirety of the lyrics wasn't a suicide note, but it's just like, hey, man, I'm just trying to going through a tough time and everything's bad and oh my going to the river oh gonna get it's like it's it, completely like if you wrote an opera or a yeah. musical and you have someone doing like a sad <laughs> song and then like someone comes out and flares their cape and it's like yeah. oh now i'm calling to the river yeah and it's like oh wait who's this guy it's like one of these two you hear where like they have a funeral but then they have like a crazy like flash mob that shows up at the funeral <laughs> <laughs> does something i mean but there is like but even the lyric shift where he says, like, yeah. I'm going to the river, going to take a ro- going to take a ride and the Lord will deliver me, which is a very dark lyric. Yeah. And, and also says, very, my very bed. biblical. Yeah. And very, mm-hmm. very biblical. Yeah. He says, made my bed. I'm going to lie in it. If you don't come, sure. Going to die in it. Mm-hmm. Dark again. Yeah. Too late. Too much given. I've seen a lot of life and I'm damn sick of living it. Yeah. Very dark. Yeah. I keep hoping that you will pass my way. So it's like a, it's like a cry to God, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's like the point of the song. Yeah. And I think this is maybe the thing of Billy Joel. That's also the point of the song where he sort of shifts and yeah. like rises up. Sure. He says, like, and someday if your dreams are leaving you, I'll still believe in you. Like, I think he's like sad, but yeah, this, I feel like this is like this is like the bootstrap mentality of Billy sure. Joel. There's like a stubbornness that that he's not like he's gonna pull himself back. Yeah. From the brink. Yeah. And that's somewhat hopeful, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you read the lyrics of the rest of the song, it yeah. is, it's, it is a dark, sad song. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think that, uh, I think that there is something just in the way the song is orchestrated mm. that it points to like a, a different future of, yeah. of, of like his sort of striver inside of him. Yeah. And it doesn't, and I don't say that to at all make light of, anyone who has like mm-hmm. gone through anything like that. Yeah. It's not at all. But I think for Billy Joel, he kind of like pulled himself another way. No. So and that's, it, that's two songs from the end of the album. Yeah. And then we hit Nocturne. Yeah. Which is an instrumental track. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nocturne. Which I'm, I'm sure, you know, Artie Rip hated. I'm sure this was the Artie one. Artie Rip was like, it's metal. Why can't we just speed it up? So it's like, yeah, half a second. Rip. I think maybe this is the point where, um, what, what's the what's the future song? Rag rag tag him a lag. What is the what's the root beer, root beer rag? rag? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like this is where he got the idea for root beer rag, where Rip was like, "This nocturne thing should be a rag. You need to rag tag him a lag and a lot." <laughs> oh God. Um. Uh. So yeah, this song's called Nocturne. Noct- we're about two thirds of this uh, bottle of red, but yeah, 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 we're yeah. we're we're getting through the bottle of red. So nocturne, <laughs> oh, that's that's not the right song. Nocturne mm-hmm. is uh, a nocturne. I feel like uh, it's it's a piano sonata. Yeah, essentially, um, it reminds me actually of November mm-hmm. Rain a little bit, like okay. Guns and Roses. Yeah, the beginning of November Rain. Yeah, um, which I could see Axl Rose and Billy Joel having a couple similarities. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I don't know if there's much to say about it, except that it's an it's it's kind of a mm. somber, very pretty, yeah, piano, yeah, instrumental. Well, I mean, as we'll know by the end of this podcast, 
you know, the the last official Billy Joel album that's been released is a recording of his his classical compositions. Right. Sure. So, you know, the, the, this composer mentality has kind of always been a part of him. Mm. And I, I find it interesting. You know, it, it wasn't until I recently re, re-listened to this album that I realized that there was an instrumental on it. And I think yeah. that that's great. And I also think it's 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 cool that that's kind of there from the beginning. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nocturne is 246. I'm sure on the original one, it's like 230 or something like that. It's seven hours. It's seven. Wait, Artie Rip slowed it down? <laughs> no, Artie Rip slowed it down. No, and, it's and uh, 236. It. I think it's, it's so about it's 10 the seconds same. short. Yeah. And then our last. I feel like there's, you know, <laughs> there's no voice to chipmunk up so he didn't yeah, really true. fuck with it so then our last song is a song called got to begin again mm-hmm. um and if it's another slow yeah it's another slow sad song yeah on this album um it's basically when i first listened to it i was like this is a breakup song yeah it's a song about being like it's a song about saying your life has your life with one person is done and mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta begin again. Yeah. You gotta start over. Mm-hmm. And it was rough, but you gotta start over. Yeah. Um, I don't have much more to say about it than that. No. I, I mean, mean I I think the thing about this is I'm trying to pull the lyrics right now, but like yeah, yeah I mean it says like, well, so I'm here, I'm at the end of the road. Where do I go from here? I always figured it would be like this, still nothing seems to be quite clear. Uh later on in the song he says, I've got to begin again. I don't know how to start. I've got to begin again. And it's hard. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if anyone's ever been through like a really rough breakup. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. So this like is, you know, you know the way out. Yeah. You just got to keep. It just sucks to fucking have to. It's that yeah. totally. Yeah. So it's interesting because Billy, I, you got a dumb already. You know the way out. You got to get away from already. Rip, oh, rip, sucks. rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Billy Joel. Although, um, uh, you know, what's interesting about this whole story is already rip you know i know you mentioned earlier family records it was a 10 album deal yeah so think think about that you're 22 years old you're signing with this kind of nobody random producer and you sign a 10 album deal like that's that sucks that's a bad deal. That's a career. That's a whole career. career. So what ended up happening was he signed with Columbia, mm-hmm. um, now a subsidiary of Sony Inc. Um, but I think it was CBS Records that was the uh, the part of Columbia he was signed with. And yeah, he, he still had this ongoing deal with Artie. And because of that ongoing deal for the 10 albums that Columbia was going to release, Artie was going to make money off of that. So Artie Rip kept making money off Billy Joel after this album? Yes. Well, so it's interesting. Um, he made, I'm, I'm trying to look up the exact amount, but, but it basically, it amounted to like 38 cents on the dollar. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find out exactly. Give me a second. Okay. But that is like, if you think about it, because it, listen, it's one thing. If you're a young artist. Yeah. And if you're a young artist, like you want, you want to be great. 
but you're like a young artist who is Billy Joel, who someone hears this first album and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is good. Like record a couple things. And they, but I feel like by the time Billy Joel gets to his third album, someone is like, mm-hmm. this guy is a major star. And then you have a random dude who looks like Captain Lou Albano that's making <laughs> 40 cents on the dollar off right. of all of this. Yeah. You're going to be really angry, not even if you're Billy Joel, but if you're like a record company. That's a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, that's it's so much. It's already rip. I feel like made a lot of money off Billy Joel. Yeah. And it looks like he made money like. Okay, here here's the uh here's the quote from Wikipedia, our fine friends at Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh as part of the deal with Columbia Records to release Joel to release Joel from his contract, Rip was still able to collect royalties on sales of Joel's records long after Joel's acrimonious departure from family productions up until 1986's The Bridge. So like the, the bridge, bridge- is like a late era Joel album. So this so, is after like peak Joel. Peak Joel. He would have like, gotten like, all like that What shit. is peak Joel? Yeah. Uptown Girl? This is after Uptown Girl? No. Uptown Girl is not peak Joel. What's... I, Uptown I have, Girl is like 80s Joel. Oh, I have so much to learn. Oh, so much to learn. What's peak Joel then? Peak Joel is Piano Man. So that's and The bef- Stranger. That's before Uptown that's Girl? That's like two albums later. Oh man, this is going to be a long podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> We got a lot to learn. Um, but yeah, so so he sold the publishing rights to Joel's catalog back to Joel. Yep. Reluctantly, because of pressure from CBS Columbia Records, the urban legend is that Joel's producer manager pressured him and bought back the rights and presented them to Joel on his birthday. Wow. Of like, congrats, you're free from this guy making money. Wow. That's crazy. But I'm sure Rip kind of did okay for himself. I'm sure Rip made a ton of money for mm-hmm. him and everyone at Family Records. Okay. Well, so that that's that is mm-hmm. that's Cold Spring Harbor right there. Yeah. That is a bottle of white and a bottle of red. I don't think we're done yet with the red. I don't think we're, think we're done yet, but I think we're we're close. We're close. Um, I would say mm-hmm. I don't know if we will continue this, but I'll do it for the first episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a way to maybe rate these albums. Okay. I don't know the best way to rate them. I would say like we could give them a number of corks. Okay. We could give them. (laughs) We give them. That's an idea. (laughs) That's an idea. We give them a number of. uh, I, I don't know what, what's a how what's a way to like wrap this up from well, what we've learned I about mean, Billy Joel right now. I think being that you know this is our first album when we haven't really deep dived into anything else, yeah. it's hard to compare it. I think as a first album, it's worth listening to. A hundred percent. I think I think the the you know the minutia and the the kind of like the story the anecdote of of the fact that there are like our two albums i I highly suggest you seek out go to any record store go to ebay or discogs Mm -hmm. you can probably find an early pressing but it's interesting i personally think the extended jam of you can make me free is so interesting and like worth it and i will say this if you don't want to go buy the vinyl which Mm -hmm. hey you should. I think you are a person that's told me that vinyl is very important. I believe that. But if yeah. right now you're listening and you 
don't want to wait for the vinyl, hmm? I bet you it's on YouTube. Go to yeah. YouTube, type in You Can Make Me Free, Billy Joel original mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. Go listen to the long yeah. freaking guitar solo. Yeah. That's something you never knew. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, it's 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 a it's a very like what could have been. Yeah. You know, imagine if that was what would hit and then all of a sudden Billy Joel was like Genesis or yes. And he's kind of in this prog direction mm-hmm. where, it, you know, it, it, who knows? Who knows? But he didn't go in a no prog direction. Where did he go after this? Which will be the next episode. The next episode. What, um, what happened after uh, Cold Spring Harbor? Well, um, that was when he officially signed to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a very seminal album. As I said, I would consider it part of his peak, although turn the stranger might be his peak in my eyes, okay. but piano man is the next album. I, I, as I mean, someone who doesn't know a ton about Billy Joel. Yeah. I will say piano man is when you say piano mm-hmm. man, um, I think of the song Piano Man. Sure. I think that's probably some of the greatest Billy Joel stuff. Sure. Um, and uh, also. But but there's some hits on Piano Man. Well, we'll talk about this next time. But yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's end the episode this way. Sure. What's the most excited? What's the what's what are you anticipating the most about talking about on Piano Man? I think I think we're both on the same page here. Oh. I, 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 I we might get into weird. It's a want, weird. Do you want to just count to three and say what you're the most excited about? Saying? Let me just Talk preface about. right now by saying it's a weird time in America right now, and it feels like saying anything about anyone on any side of the political spectrum is feeding into some sort of weird conspiracy monster. So, um, what I used to find very funny, I find less funny because nothing's true anymore. You can count to three and still say it. Here we go. Yeah. And then we're going to get out of here. Yeah. One, two, three. Captain Hillary Jack. Clinton, <laughs> Captain Jack. Okay. <laughs> Hillary Clinton putting Captain Jack too. Yeah. But also just the song Captain Jack. Captain Jack's a crazy song. We're going to talk about Captain Jack. All right. So uh, I think this is the first episode of a bottle of a white bottle of red. Thank you to Celery Wines. Yeah. Thank you, Celery Wines. Thank you, uh, William Joel. Thank you, William Joel. Uh, We'll see you next time. Hey, Mm. between you, between me, Mm. and the Staten Island Ferry, I'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Bottle of White, Bottle of Red stars Corey Cavan and Bill Granberg. The show is produced by Jeremy Balin and part of the Seltzer Kings Network. For more information on the show, give Corey a follow at Corey Cavan. Thanks for listening. The Kings Podcasts.